This is a Suno India production and you are listening to Pinjra Todkar. Pinjra Todkar is conceived and produced by Gote Santram Hyderabad with support of Suno India and Bol Hyderabad as a podcast with powerful stories told by women whose lives were impacted by Shaheen. This episode however is slightly different. We bring to you a panel with Suno India editor Padma Priya, Shaheen founder Jamila Nishat, Usha Raman who's a journalism professor in University of Hyderabad and Gote Santram's director Amita Desai and program director Jyoti Bajawada. They speak about using art, poetry and audio for social cultural issues including community radio and podcasts. Through this series we have heard tales of horrors and survival from the victims themselves who are rebuilding their lives with author activist Jamila Nishat Singhio Shaheen. Shaheen which has worked to rescue and rehabilitate vulnerable women like victims of domestic abuse and violence, early marriage, sexual abuse, gender bias and help them get back on their feet. they have started important conversations towards structural and social change for years uh, gothi centrum has been at the forefront of highlighting and bringing to fore um, many socio cultural issues we have also used art and different mediums to highlight this and more importantly as far as i remember it has never shied away from initiating difficult discussions um how important is the topic of women empowerment and projects linked to this issue for you and also could you tell us why is it a topic that is so close to your heart you know i think it's important that as a cultural organization while we may spend time celebrating and commemorating uh, it is essential that the cultural institution see their role as catalysts uh, so we do try to pick up subjects which are topical and deliberate over that we beat beat uh, women empowerment child sexual abuse uh, minorities issues environment is a very big thing that we we work with and unfortunately for us uh, decades of work women's empowerment and abuse has not gone out of style so this is definitely an issue that must be brought up at all instances possible it is close to my heart or the agenda of uh, Goethe Centrum is I am a woman I do see issues that need to be addressed and I do see a lot of pain and requirement for us to dialogue and really that is what Goethe Centrum does it serves as a catalyst to create uh, platforms for discourses thank you so much amita usha just you know you you've been someone who's been in the space of communications and you know also in the space of community radio you know and and you know the pinjra thotkar will be aired on bol hyderabad also in the coming days what kind of an impact or reaction do you think it will garner from the communities listening to these episodes and how important do you think is the role of media in sort of creating awareness on these very sensitive topics such as violence against women child sexual abuse and so on i think media has a huge role to play yet i don't think we should overemphasize the role of media because 
We've seen that despite years of media-led discussion on development, there's still a lot of change that we still have to see. So media certainly can be a catalyst. It can be a reinforcer of messages. But I don't think that it can be held responsible for actually creating the change. It can probably push change a little bit. It can you know, keep things in the public conversation um, and so on. So I think media plays like an augmenting role and an amplifying role. But I think perhaps, you know, in relation to Bol Hyderabad, since you mentioned Bol Hyderabad, Bol Hyderabad is what we might call small media. And I think the role of small media has really not been recognized sufficiently because small media like community radio, community newspapers, you know, these target very specific populations. Um, they're usually made by the people or the communities that they target. So there's a much richer conversation around media creations that air or uh, make themselves present on community media. If we have content that is bilingual, that is uh, addressed at this kind of a diverse demographic, it has the opportunity to create rich conversations among the people who are all listening to it. So I envisage that if something like Pinchatod is uh, aired on Old Hyderabad, and it will be, it's an opportunity for students to get into the conversation and uh, perhaps also for you know the workers in, let's say, the IMRs who work in uh, the university areas, it might be playing in the department while they're working. Um, so it's something that will reach them as well. Thank you so much, Isha. Um, Jamila ji, coming to you, in episode one, you told our listeners about the motivations and reasons why Shaheen was formed. Can you tell our listeners what is the way forward for Shaheen and also a bit about what Shaheen has been doing during this pandemic and how have you been able to, have you been able to work and how have you been able to cope with things uh, amidst the pandemic? During this pandemic period, we had tough time. Like, it was really a lockdown kind of thing. But uh, our minds were also locked. But we did not stop it there. We thought we should work with the police and volunteer ourselves so that we can reach out to the women because the violence had increased. See, the work that we had done earlier was so much against violence. And suddenly, during this lockdown period, the violence increased. And that was a big tragedy that we faced. The women who were trying to come out of the wedlock also went into the lockdown, into their homes and locked. And outside there was a police inside the husband, the patriarch of the house. And it, in every house, we have one door and one door we have got 10 houses. So all the men of 10 houses covered the space and women had no space to talk about, to spend time or even to go to the toilet. The toilets were also hijacked. Everything was just hijacked and controlled by men. And it was really difficult for women to come out of that. We actually work in 20 slums and in all these 20 slums, we found this. And we could find this only because the girls from Shaheen volunteered themselves with the police and to counsel the women about pandemic. But with during pandemic, they found all these things. We really had tough time. We thought we should not stop it here. And we went and thanks to Azim Premji, we got some uh, a budget, some amount for helping the single women. So we could help some single women and then we could 
work with the women and counsel them continuously. Every day we go door to door and counsel them so that they come back to the normal life. The patriarchs of the Bastis, the Pahelwans, also had their say and they started controlling women, not allowing anyone to go out. So this was the tough time, but we hope the Shaheen has a lot to do. During lockdown, I was also very far away from uh, Old City. So it was all the pillars of Shaheen, the girls of Shaheen, who worked hard and they reached out to the women. And I'm sure all these women will stand against violence, talk about it, not stop talking about it, and continue their fight against patriarchy. Amita, I think we discussed this at the beginning of, you know, when we were planning this entire project. But for the sake of our listeners, can you tell us a bit about how your association with Shaheen and Jamila Ji's work began? And uh, can you give us a sense of why uh, Goethe wanted to do this project? You know, Goethe, uh, Centrum has been doing something called the Women's March. Uh, so we felt that 8th of March one day was not enough, but rather we would have a full month where we would bring up various issues um, that concern women. And on one of such occasions, in one of the events that happened, I happened to hear Jamila Nishat talk. I, of course, also had the occasion to hear her poetry. And they are women-centric, a good part of them. And the pain that is there, the agony and anxiety that she represents through her very simple yet very layered lyrics really touched me to the core. So I had been following the work that Jamila Nishat has been doing. And Shaheen seemed to be a place where not only was a sympathetic ear available for women, but there was a systematic approach to see how they could resolve the issues or assist to resolve the issues. And I thought that this is a very unique way of working. There are a lot of NGOs and there are a lot of people like we are. We are a platform and we create various opportunities for people to come together and talk um, and reach out through the various voices that may be brought together. But I found that the reach of her organization was a hands-on activism. Unlike candle marches, which I have also attended, this particular work is not only dealing with victims, but with real issues and sometimes even very scary, threatening environment. And therefore, the work that Shaheen has been doing and Jamila Nishat has been spearheading, to me, has been an awe-inspiring experience. I actually feel that there is very little that can be done, but that what can be done is being done 150% of the time. And therefore, my impact on me of Shaheen and Jamila has been enormous. And I have sought her out several times on various platforms to talk. And we have worked together over now, almost over a decade, where through poetry, through translations of poetry, through the Kavali that she brings in with her young um, women who, who sing, uh, sing their stories, and of course, through film uh, that, that she has been making. We have been working on various platforms because all of this is required to really begin to make an impact. And that's where I think my journey with Jamila began. And I must say, it has been a great learning experience. 
now jamila ji just a question for you Indeed. you have um you have consistently used um as amita was also talking about um you've used art and poetry as a form to educate and to empower women how important do you think art and storytelling is to bring a change in society that's the only way to bring change in the society see by talking by giving giving lectures it doesn't make nothing happens only first few words go into their mind and that's all but when you create something differently whether it's a theater form or painting or singing or poetry it reaches people because it touches their heart and the change happens only when their heart changes so that's why we keep talking about it we keep singing qawali in the bastis we don't sing only for the middle class people we sing in the basti the girls although they wear burkha other day other days in qawali they sing without burkha and they feel happy to sing because the men also connect themselves and when you want change you want the change from the men of the society and many of the young boys we found a lot of change in them one of the things you know some of the challenges that you know shaheen has said to take and you know that come consistently comes across the stories that we are telling in the podcast is that of you know this role of patriarchy um and like you pointed out like you know sometimes these qawalis when they heard by men they associate with it do you think it is helpful to tell these stories you know um whether it is through mass media or say through podcast or through a poem like also to reach men do you think like these are the spaces where we do it or should there be other mediums also to tell these stories every medium is important for us through whatever form uh, we are not even particular that it has to be in this form or that form but communicating the pain see what happens for example if sultana had been the way that she was earlier suffering her pain and not talking about it by talking about it it heals her in some way she feels little empowered that i am important that i am talking to people so that empowerment helps the uh, survivor of the violence as well as to others the others think there is so much violence has happened how are we living with such violence in this society so the change happens the people especially now we have got some mlas also coming requesting chahin that we will be helping you out we want you to be with us so that happens only when they keep listening to us listening to us thinking about these issues because every family no father wants his daughter to suffer and that's how we try to bring change in the society that you empower your daughter so much that she doesn't suffer in her life usha um coming to you because you've been pretty critical and also sort of framing this podcast and helping us in putting together this podcast what do you think like do you think audio has the ability to capture stories in a different manner compared to other mediums and how do you think it is impactful say compared to a video or any other medium well um yeah i think there's something about listening to a story that um makes you actually listen or you know listen with your mind um i think often when we read uh, there's a certain way in which the you know the words sort of skim through our heads right we understand the meaning but it's often there's an understanding that's happening at a fairly superficial level but there's something about 
being told a story, you know, listening to a voice enunciate with all the emotion that it has, especially if you have people who have experienced these things talking about it themselves. I think there's, um, and talking about it without the interference of image, I think there's a way in which we're able to experience it, you know, much in a much deeper manner. And I think um, the more emotional a story is, the better it is for it to not have image and for us to really gain access to the emotions and to the inner feelings of the narrator through just the voice. And I think a lot of um, you know studies recently have shown that we had forgotten for a long time, I think uh, we had forgotten how to listen. And um, the resurgence of audio in the current moment means that there's something very primordial, you know, about listening to sound. And I think we're rediscovering that. So stories like the ones that are told by the survivors or, you know, those who have come through difficult times like those at Shaheen, we are able to privilege those stories uh, by listening to them in a much deeper way that uh, audio affords than um, other media. Amita, um, can you give us a sense of why you chose podcasts as a medium for the story? Was whether like were your motivations similar to what Usha was talking about? And what kind of an impact do you hope this podcast will have in the long term? Because I think that's the beauty of a podcast. It's like a slow burn. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think I'd been considering podcast uh, for a while. And in these particular times uh, of... Uh, us isolating ourselves from each other. I can't uh, tell you how much more relevant uh, this has become. And I do resonate with what Usha has said, that there is this act of listening or storytelling or a moment of quiet where you perceive far more um, than you otherwise would not in the din of daily lives. And that this uh, format, this technology, the podcast allows for you to really listen. And as Usha very nicely put it, with your mind and with your heart. And I think that is very crucial, that it's not just listening for the sake of something going in one way and coming out another. That may, of course, also happen. Uh, but there might be that quiet, that, that solitude, that space, that this particular format, uh, the podcast format, I think, uh, does offer uh, is that you can decide and choose your time and your space. And to think of this particular podcast on women's issues, to me, is crucial. Because if it is an exhibition opening or a kavali or a film screening, you have 80, 100, 500 people together uh, as we do. I mean, that's what our work is. An art exhibition would bring in about uh, 70, 80 people. A film would bring um, up to 100 people and what have you. But this is where the voices are going to the individual in their own spaces, in their own quiet, and possibly allow young women or women in general space for them to take this in at their own convenience and make what they want to. And podcasts, of course, unlike a, a radio, can continue to listen to it and li listen to it again and over and over again and pass it on. And therefore, offer a possibility of being able to reach out beyond the usual target audience. Uh, the shelf life of a podcast, obviously, is longer. And what does one want to achieve, Priya? That's a very good question. 
very difficult to quantify, but I would say one is to reach out. Two is to reach out to those who really need to hear these voices so they can, in their own discerning manner, begin to come to terms with the situation and look for solutions. Three, to find and know that there are solutions through the examples that Shaheen offers and that this podcast has really taken through the various episodes that you have uh, uh, presented, but also to give a possibility to exchange and dialogue with other people by sharing these podcasts. Difficult, as I say, to quantify. Maybe the response may surface months later, years later. But I do hope that this issue remains a matter of discourse and dialogue that not only the victims, but rather the victimizers and the society is able to hear that there are voices, serious voices, strong voices who represent a community who should not be messed around with. That's the hope. Particularly in relation to what Amita was saying uh, about the life, the shelf life of a podcast, I think, uh, I think that's really important to keep in mind because these days, uh, media are so ephemeral, right? I mean, a meme comes and a meme goes and, you know, before you know it, there's a new story on the, on the thread. Um, but somehow that doesn't seem to be happening with podcasts. So people share at different times when there's a, a moment in the public conversation that demands a certain kind of content. You can always pull it out and reshare and then there's a whole new audience that discovers it. And I think so far the, you know, while recommender algorithms are doing their job in the podcast space as well, I think they're not as insidious as they are in the video space. So you can still serendipitously discover uh, material in audio that um, kind of accident doesn't happen as easily in the video space. Uh, and it often doesn't happen at all in the print space. So I think um, that way audio, I think there's still hope of you know, constant discovery of new audiences. Um, a couple of uh, weeks ago, a friend of mine with whom, I mean, a classmate rather, whom I haven't spoken to in almost two decades, she reached out to me saying that she had heard that episode and, uh, and she shared her experience of going through CSA when she was in school, when she was a school-going kid. And she told me that after she heard the episode and hear the people in the podcast speak about their own experiences, it gave her the courage to go and tell her mother that this had happened to her and also to talk about it with her own daughter, who is now 10 years old. And for me, it just came like out of the blue, right? I mean, I was like, oh, wow, because I hadn't spoken to her for two decades. And she discovered the podcast through my Facebook page and she heard it. And yeah, it was a very powerful and at the same time a very profound moment because here she was plugged in she told me she was cooking dinner and listening to the episode um when the memories just came hit you know came hitting back you know hitting her really hard what had happened with her and uh, and she chose to you know sort of open up then after all these years so just thought i'll share that uh, with you guys uh jamila ji sorry you were saying uh-huh. something, I think. Uh, when sultana speaks she's always conscious of her face and podcast helped her not to have her face, but only to her pain, you know, her voice and her talk. So that was really helpful to her. And she felt very comfortable when she was recorded. And other people also felt very happy. The girls who came and in front of camera, they are not that comfortable. 
as they are comfortable to narrate their stories in podcast and they are very happy to share their feelings express express their agony everything in this especially during pandemic now because this child marriages increase and they all are asking where is that podcast again we want to have that record but i said we will have it again don't worry i think i think this is a discussion that unfortunately will continue for i don't know how many how many more years we have to battle this just moving on i think um i'll ask this question to all of you because one of the common threads that again came through all the episodes and through all the guests that we were speaking to was the need to shift change in attitude the need for changing this the way that women and men interact with each other i just want to get a sense from all of you you know from your personal and professional experience of interacting with say young young women and men um day in and day out do you think that this change in attitudes is coming through so i'll go with you first amita is the change coming through i think it is i think it's rather slow and i think it is confined to a very small group of people who may have been exposed to different points of views but is it really happening is it impacting our environment i'm afraid not yet i think we have a very very long way to go before we can say that there is a beginning of gender neutrality of safety for young people or even older people this is not an issue of class and uh, group and regional space this is really a very large problem that can afflict anybody and is the change happening i do feel that the younger generation is beginning to talk about it i do feel and i think this is very important that whatever my generation has done our young girls are beginning to open and be different and i think that's very nice it's very heartwarming to see that they have a voice that they do use this voice and that they are willing to use this voice for their community and groups this is a very heartwarming feature and this is not true only for young women this is happening for a lot of young men as well but the group the number the people that really are uh, participating in this uh, discourse i feel is still far too small and the damage that is being done nonetheless is far too large far far too large for us to you know be complacent with one or two activities we have to possibly continue such efforts for a very long time unfortunately uh jamila ji what would you like to say on this see when i started shaheen i had many challenges patriarchy was the first challenge but now when i look back recently i told you again that mla had come to shaheen i was not there in shaheen he came and sat with the girls and spoke to the girls so that is the change the men are ready to listen to you and unless they listen to our problems i don't think that things can be resolved so that change is happening at the ground level so when once the change happens at the ground level things will definitely change i am very positive about change and uh, a day will come when we talk about equality and justice just talking is not enough the girls feel it and they question the system they voice their opinions and they negate they create their own space they want to create their space in the public life and at home 
this pandemic had created a problem. I hope it will go soon. And in Old City, we have uh, Shaheen is in red zone. We have at least 130 people dying with Corona last week. We, uh, we got this information. So every family, whether it is Wasim or Sultana's family or Taslim's family, every family, we have cases of Corona, but the girls are fighting throughout. They are going out. They are on scooters, they are on bikes, and they are working hard to stop this and have their own public space. And unless they create their space and have their voice and have political space, why not? We should have not just social voice, but political voice. And we are waiting. Um, Usha, would you like to comment on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Amita in that, uh, yes, there is change. And Jamila also said, you know, in a very hopeful way that we can see change, but it's just not as much as we need and uh, definitely not, you know, as widespread as we need. And what happens is, you know, every time you take two steps forward, it looks like there's change in terms of uh, uh, legal reform, social reform, you know, cultural mores changing, and then there's a backlash. So you keep seeing from the patriarchy, you know, these periodic waves of a backlash, which we see in in the Western culture and and in uh, India as well, right? With the rise of a certain kind of politics. But this is an ongoing struggle. So, you know, just like the wave has to keep going forward and, you know, meeting whatever resistances there are, uh, we have to keep working at it. But on a more concrete level, in terms of the young people I interact with, you know, being in education and seeing new waves of, uh, you know, 20-somethings come into my classroom every year, I can definitely see that there's more willingness to talk, there's more willingness to call out when there is injustice or unfairness. And uh, on the part of the boys or the men, uh, also there's more willingness to listen. So again, you know, the space of a university is a very privileged space. It's not, definitely it's not the rest of India. But I think it, at the same time, it also is a microcosm because as a public university, we have young people coming from uh, all walks of life. One can only hope that, you know, then the next generation that follows this one is going to start at in a position of slightly more advantage than the generation that came before. So, yes, we have a long way to go. Yes, there is reason for hope. But also, uh, I think we have to keep watching out for the backlash and dealing with that when it comes. Yeah, there is. There is. Um, the title, I think, is is correct. There is still a cage there is a pinjara and there is this drive to break it. So pinjara torke is absolutely correct. And that is what this underlying motto is of this particular podcast. Ki pinjara to torna hi hai. And um, I hope that we achieve that sooner than later. Um, I actually want to ask Jyoti this question who's been at the backbone of this project. Jyoti, what's your take on this? Do you think that there has been a change in the attitudes in the last few years with regards to, you know, the issues that we're discussing? Uh, thank you, Priya. Thank you for raising that question. Yes, I see a change. And yes, I see that we are going forward. However, the change is so minute compared to where we must go that it's barely noticeable. The fact that five of us here are sitting on a call and discussing all of this is already progress, according to me. But 
I would say miles to go before we sleep. I think the cage metaphor is really, you know, it's it's really apt because uh, yes, we need to break the pinjara, uh, but we also have to recognize that there is a cage. And I think perhaps where we are is that we are able to articulate the shape of the cage, you know, what it looks like, what it's going to take to break it, and who might prevent us from breaking it. And that's a huge first step. But then to actually break it and to make sure that nobody closes it up again is is the next thing, right?